Hello, Salon Sleuth fans. My name is Melissa and my co-host is Leslie. We decided we wanted to share our salon stories. We both have an interest in crime stories and a fascination with the psychic world. So settle in each week as we share another story with you. Who knows, you might even learn something. Hello, Leslie. How are you today? Good evening, Melissa. How are you? I know. We're recording on a Friday night. How lame are we? <laughs> Who would have ever thought? When you, If you would have told us this when we were in our 20s, we would be like, no way. I'm getting ready to go out. What are you talking about? Exactly. Exactly. Or I'm just waking up for my nap to go out tonight, right. most likely. Because yeah. it's only 7.30 here, so it would right. be... Right. We would be getting ready around 9. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so I have a couple yeah. things to uh, start our day off with, but okay. um, I know we're going to be doing our interview with Trina Lee. Trina Lee at TrinaLee.com. She is passionate about the power of EFT. If you don't know what EFT is, it is emotional freedom technique. It has evidence to show that it releases stress and negative emotions. Yeah, anyway, yeah. we found her. I found her through Alice Moon. And she thought that Trina Lee would be able to help me with some of, um, just to be able to relax. And so I went to her website and then I watched some of her videos and, um, I thought, okay, I could give this a try. I really liked her voice. And to me, that's a big deal, especially if you're doing it like this over listening to something, um, versus not doing it in person. And, um, so we called her or I emailed her and asked her if she would do an interview with us. And she was fascinating. What I thought was interesting is on her little demo video, a lot of times you're supposed to be able to reduce your stress and your cortisol level by like 30 to 40%. But what I found at the end of my um, little video training was I actually felt more stressed over it. And she had an explanation for that, which I thought was super interesting. Not understanding what that meant. Um, she has seen it before many times actually. And, and she knew exactly what that meant. And and I thought that was interesting to think that not everybody reacts in the same way and that she has um, answers for, for both ways. So um, I thought that was interesting. I had some things change for me after doing our phone call with her. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, really the, what she had said when mine went up, it just meant that, um, that I'm not used to relaxing. Yeah. And she thought it was very common for people who react in that same way that they stay very busy. Yes. And I'm like, yep, that would be me because we don't know how to be still and we don't necessarily like the feeling of like being in our own bodies well, and, and relying just on that without having it external stimulation. So I totally agree with her on that for sure. I don't have, I have mine coming up with her and I, and I can't give you a recap on that, but since you gave a little teaser, why don't you explain what happened? Okay, great. And also I would just tag into what you're saying is that sometimes when you're trying to meditate and you've got so much on your mind, you're too wound up to even relax for it. So that exactly, I, I wouldn't worry, you know, that you, you just kind of have to keep working on it. So I had been very honest and I never expressed this to anyone, but for some reason I'm an oversharer. And so I'm just able to spit out my emotions sometimes. And I told you both on the call that I felt um, guilty and I felt bad that I was working in the evenings and oftentimes was quite happy when the family said, Oh, you know, let's watch a movie or let's watch TV because it was an excuse for me to open up my laptop and get some work done and not feel bad that I wasn't doing something with them because this is what they wanted to do. 
And so she was like, okay, well, there's a, there's something there. Do you feel, you know, do you not feel lovable if you're not being more productive or do you not feel worthy or whatever? And I don't know that I ever got to the bottom of that, but for some reason from that day after just expressing it for me, I have not worked in the evening ex with the exception of tonight, obviously you and I, but this is kind of my side gig. Um, I have not worked in the evening and I have not felt guilty. Yeah. And that's probably six months at least. I mean, certainly since COVID um, happened and we locked down like March 14th, I think it was. So, and even on the weekends, I would do it to be totally honest. So for me, that was really um, quite refreshing. And I don't exactly know what switched. I think that it was just being honest about it and acknowledging it. And like, it's almost like when you tell somebody else, you can't ignore it any longer. Yeah. So for me, that was kind of fascinating. And then um, I did meet with her, talk with her again this morning, and I'm going to do some other sessions with her and I'll follow up with those um, later. But yeah, she just has a really nice personality, very calming um, not judgmental. I just felt really comfortable and safe talking to her. I think with her, um, you know, at first I liked the idea that she lived in our town because she did used to, and then she moved away. So part of it's like, like knowing that she's not in our inner circles and to be able to do that honestly and be able to say whatever, because she doesn't know us. Yeah. Yeah. I think, sure. I don't know. I think yeah. uh, I just, she just, I immediately, I thought she sounded like a really nice person. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Okay. Before we go into the interview with her, I kind of want to follow up on a couple things from the last podcast. Um, and wanted to talk to you if you're binge watching Indian matchmaking. I haven't even heard of that. Okay. So on Netflix, I got into Indian matchmaking. Well, when I Googled it, it seems like this is like the next big binge that everybody's binging. Well, here's the part that I wanted to tell you about, Leslie, is, you know, we talk about um, psychics and we talk about, well, I guess we've never really talked about astrology, but I'm, I actually really love astrology and we, we talk about all these kind of paranormal kind of things. Well, it's interesting because in this Indian matchmaking show, the matchmaker she consults a face reader. Oh. And at first I'm like, what? A face reader? Like, really? Just going to show a picture? And well, no, they're basically psychics. Because they go on to say, tell a whole bunch of information in their eyes about this person. And everyone that we heard was dead on. And I'm like, this person is just a psychic. They're telling Okay, but them. this is what... This is how I, th I think of like psychics when they need something like that, whether it's tarot cards, whether it's, you know, sometimes they have like the rocks that they can get out of a bag, whatever they was called, they call those. Um, it could be anything, palm reading. They need sometimes something to tap into. And yeah. so they start with that. And then they're, they're basically their psychic stuff takes over from there. Yeah. But some of them need that catalyst. So you see the psychics that write on paper or the other ones that do other little rituals. It's just that thing that, that takes them to get there. So I feel like she's maybe looking at the pictures and that's how she's getting that going. Yeah. And it was a male. Yeah. And I thought yeah. it was interesting that they called them face readers, probably because I would imagine that psychic sounds 
too scary to them. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe religious reasons or whatever. But then they had a um, aerospace engineer come in to talk to another one of their clients. And he just gave her astrology. Mm. And was telling her, you know, oh, your your moon is going to move into this phase and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, that is very interesting because I love astrology. But the fact that he's an aerospace engineer. Yeah. thought that was very interesting. So, I love it when people in, in different communities like that yeah. believe in those things. Yeah. Just like in the very beginning when I interviewed Doug. Yeah. You know, I wanted him because he's this very successful attorney here in Portland, but he believes in angels because he experienced one. And I felt it came from him just like you had that moment with watching that show because it came from somebody who you wouldn't normally think would believe in stuff like that. Right. So I'm Trina Lee and I'm a certified EFT practitioner and EFT stands for emotional freedom technique. And it's a type of acupressure and talk talking like talk therapy combined together and what we know from using these specific acupressure points while we're talking about how we feel it allows our body to release the emotion studies have shown that one session of tapping with a practitioner or even on your own for about an hour reduces our cortisol level which is our stress hormone 24 to 50% The results were so staggering in the initial studies that the lab that was calibrating this thought their machines were broken because they couldn't believe there was such a high reduction rate. So they actually retested it multiple times and kept getting the same answer. Um, So that shows how profound this simple technique is. Um, What it also does is it turns off that fight or flight response that we have, and that's initiated in a part of our brain called the amygdala and that's a primal part of our brain so we consciously don't have control over it so I'm sure you've been in a situation before where it's really scary or really intense and all of a sudden your heart is pounding and you're responding in a way that feels um, maybe scary or you don't feel like you have control And so this actually shuts that response off. So it's phenomenal for people at risk for PTSD or even those with PTSD. Um, The VA uses this technique for soldiers and um, and there's been a lot of work at like the uh, schools that have had shootings and that kind of stuff to help people recover from trauma. So that's Yeah, so that's like the big stuff. There's some newer, smaller studies that have been done on how it it affects our gene expression. And our genes, what we now know, there's a study, um, a field of study called epigenetics. And so it's showing that we're not destined to have heart disease or something like that just because it's in our history or in our genes. Our genes actually can be on what they call like a dial, so turned up or turned down based on our diet and lifestyle, but our biggest influence is how we think. So if we feel like a victim in our life, a lot of those negative genes are turned on. If we feel like we're in control and we trust 
our life, those uh, negative genes are turned off and the positive genes are turned on. So what they found in one study of EFT, one session of EFT in this particular study is that it actually turned on 72 genes that helps your body heal and regulate, which is pretty phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. You know, I watched so I watched your YouTube videos and then, you know, when you on YouTube and then it leads you another video and another video and another video, mm -hmm. I saw a girl on there and she was doing it and I thought it was a little interesting because, um, as she was tapping, she was saying her negative things. Is that where you, are you yes. tapping with the negative things and not necessarily with trying to put new good things in? Like, is, I'm not sure exactly how that works. How Can that you works. explain yeah. that a little? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we have to start with how we truly feel. So whatever that negative is, and I like to think of it as the same as doing spring cleaning. So if, you know, we're deciding like, okay, our house is dirty and it needs to be cleaned and organized. You can't go in and do any of that with, without first recognizing the dirt, the debris, the mess that there is and seeing that and dealing with that first, right? So it's the same with our emotional state. It's not going to benefit anyone just to jump into what we call happy tapping um, because you're not actually dealing with the issue that's there. So first we like to clean house. So deal with exactly how we're feeling those deep, dark, negative emotions that most of us don't even like to admit to ourselves how we're really feeling Dealing with those first and the beauty of tapping, one of the things I love most about it is that it's gentle. So even though we might have some really big, scary, overwhelming feelings, while we're tapping, it's calming our nervous system, lowering that cortisol. So our body is in a state of relaxation while those big emotions are coming up. So they no longer feel so big and overwhelming. And we're essentially sending a message to our brain that we're safe, even with these big emotions that didn't feel safe before. So it allows our body to truly release them. And then often what happens naturally is we gain a new perspective, a new healthy perspective that then leads us naturally to positive emotions. And then we use tapping to help solidify those positive emotions. While you're doing this, sometimes your clients might not necessarily know what all the issues are. Is that correct? That's usually the case. I often yeah. have clients come in and they say, you know, like a real common one is, is frustration with weight loss, right? So they mm -hmm. come in and they're like, I've done all the diets, I have tried everything, and I might have some initial success, and then it I can never stick with it, and I don't know why. It's like I'm hitting an invisible wall. And there usually is an emotional, uh, what I call limiting belief behind it. So it's something we learn typically in childhood, um, and it's keeping us from recognizing that we're worthy of having a healthy body, or it could be that um, being slim and fit gets you too much attention and that's not safe. I mean, there's a hundred million reasons why people feel stuck in their weight loss, but typically it's emotional. And so we'll just start tapping on their frustration with 
all the tr things that they've tried and not being able to succeed. And then slowly it peels back the layers until we get to that root cause. And most clients have no idea what that is until we start doing the work. And the reason why we're able to get to it is, again, we're calming that nervous system. We're sending the message to our brain that we're safe, even with, with these big emotions. And so it allows us to get to that root cause, become aware of it, work through it, release it, and gain a new perspective and a new belief that serves us. And then when you're working with a client, let's just say with like a weight loss issue or something that's deep-seated, how many sessions are you with them in a, in a typical, yeah? Yeah, it totally depends. It runs the gamut. I've had clients um, since the beginning that sometimes I still see, like maybe once every few months, they'll call me and they'll say, oh, I have this going on in my life. I need to integrate a little more tapping. Um I have other people who come to me that have specific trauma and we work through that trauma, say it's three sessions or five sessions or 10 sessions, and then I never see them again. They did the work they needed to do. They're happy. They're having successful lives and they're moving on. And it's really personal. Like I'll tell you about me. So me personally, I, I was introduced to this about 10 years ago and I still tap with myself every day, or I even have a practitioner that I work with and I work with that practitioner when it's something big and I can't seem to get through it. Now, I probably talk to her like once or twice a year um, just to, because life is messy and there's stuff coming up all the time, but um, it just depends on what you're coming in for. Typically, say five to 10 sessions for somebody, but it really depends on why you're coming in, what the root cause is, and then how you want to proceed. Now, you said you got into this about 10 years ago. Is it because you had an issue and you went and found somebody and then learned about it, or is that how you got into this field? So I got into this, um, I think, kind of in a humorous way. So I had, not humorous, but I had breast cancer in my early 30s and I was negative for the gene. I have no family history. I was quote unquote young and healthy. I was fit, running, eating well. Um, and yet I had a very aggressive type of cancer. And I realized after that, that even though I took such good care of my body physically, I wasn't taking good care of myself emotionally. And I had some stuff from childhood that still really upset me and was hard for me to let go of. And even though I knew it wasn't healthy for me, I couldn't seem to let it go. I did regular therapy about it, and it was something that I just never could seem to release and move on from. And logically, I could see it, but emotionally, I couldn't let it go. And I happened to be at a conference, um, and one of the speakers that had a 20-minute slot was Nick Ortner from The Tapping Solution, and he was presenting on EFT tapping. And there's, you know, I'm in a crowd of 200-some-odd people, and he's having everybody tap. And honestly, I thought it was so bizarre, and I was looking around because I was like, wait a minute, all these people drink the Kool-Aid here. What's going on? Um, and I didn't even participate. I just thought it was too bizarre. And then 
afterwards, for some reason, I kept being intrigued by them. Like, what is this? I need to learn more. So I was doing my own research and I decided to try it on myself after learning more about it and how it works and why it works. And I did it on this big issue from my childhood. And the next morning I woke up and I felt completely resolved and free from it for the first time in my life. And I was like, wow, there is, there is something to this. So for a few years, I just would work on myself with it. And then I would family or friends who were really struggling, I would say, I don't really know what I'm doing, but there's this weird techniques and technique and somehow it just works. So do you want to try it? And they would always find success. And then, um, I had two friends come to me within two weeks of each other and sit me down and say, I want to pay you to do that weird tapping thing because I want to get over this specific thing. And I said, well, you can't pay me because I don't actually know what I'm doing. So I decided to go get certified. And then um, I haven't looked back. So I went in, got certified, and my client base has been mostly referral and word of mouth from those first few people I started working with. Now the tapping, how many different pressure points are you doing? Um, It depends. Typically we do a sequence where there's a spot on the side of the hand that we use, um, the eyebrow, the side of the eye, under the eye, under the nose, chin, collarbone, under the arm, and the top of the head. And that's our most basic points that we use. Every once in a while, depending on what's going on in a session, if it's something really stuck, there's some other uh, points that I throw in and other techniques. But for the most part, it's just on those areas that I just explained. Now those areas, why are those specific areas so important when it comes to this? Like, And do you have to do it in the same sequence? Can you explain a little bit how that works? Yeah. So one thing I love about EFT is that it's really forgiving. So what I love to tell my clients that feel really uneasy and stressed about doing it right on their own is that you can't do it wrong. You might be more effective or less effective, but there's no wrong way. So the sequence Usually, as we run down the body and then back up to the top of the head, um, that's how I was trained. Some practitioners start at the top of the head and work their way down. It's just more preference. You can do both sides of the body or one side. Again, it's very forgiving. Um, And the reason why we use these specific points that I called out is because these are linked to how our body holds emotion. So... You know, if we're nervous, we usually feel butterflies in our stomach. If we're scared, we feel a tightening in our chest. Um, and so what we what was done when EFT was discovered is using these specific points is where our body is holding our emotions. And so we go through all the points while we're talking about whatever it is that we're working on to make sure we get wherever it is in your body. Trina, this is, this is Melissa, but, um, I feel like I've had some of these by other people through the years. Um, is this like when you take between your thumb and your finger, your first finger and you pinch, like if you have a headache, 
Yes, it's similar. It's so it's so it's based on acupressure, and okay. that is an acupressure point. And then like between your eyebrows kind of tapping there. I think my mother did that when I was in labor, quite frankly. (laughs) Uh Yeah. So that's like the third eye point. We don't use that in EFT specifically for majority of our work, but yeah, that's another great point. And then your Um, earlobes, is that something? Yes. We don't specifically use that, but that's another point that um, is actually, if you rub your earlobe in the morning, it helps you wake up. So often when my kids are really sleepy, like before school, I'll go in and give their earlobes a little rub and that helps them wake up. So that's funny because I used to do that with my kids to relax them before they went to bed. I was probably just doing the opposite thing is what you're telling me. Trita, this is super interesting how this all works. So now that you feel that you're more healthy like emotionally and physically your body has obviously um like healed in that way so we're like maybe are you saying I don't know how this works I'm not I'm gonna probably put my foot in my mouth like somebody who might not be fully healthy and happy could they cause certain things to happen in their lives where it comes to sicknesses and illnesses if they have underlying emotional things that are built up in their lives. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. So what we know from so many studies being done on stress is that more than 90% of doctors' visits, the root cause is stress, which is huge, right? So the other thing that we know is that a lot of illnesses are induced by stress. So like I was mentioning earlier with epigenetics, so with our gene expression, is that you might be more likely to have heart disease, but it's your stress that's going to determine, and your lifestyle, right, if that gene turns on or off. So the more healthy we can be in managing our stress, the more likely our body is to be healthy. And I don't claim, I don't claim to heal anybody, you know, like I'm not, I'm not a health practitioner. I'm an EFT practitioner and that's my focus, but there is study after study after study that shows the link between stress and the health of our body. If, um, okay, so let's just say we're going to go back to when you had your childhood things and um, they were still eating at you. You still remember those. You just don't feel it anymore. Is that kind of what happens? Yeah, I love that you asked this question because I think that this is so important um, to talk about. And I'm actually going to use a client that I did one of my case studies on for my certification. So I had a client who, whose child had cancer a few years prior to the time that I was working with her. And she, and it was something where day to day, her child was fine, had recovered and had a really good prognosis. Um, But in day to day, she felt like she was fine. But then if she met somebody new or somehow it came up, she often found herself overwhelmed with emotion and crying. And she just is like, I don't like feeling that way. It's like the, all the trauma 
comes back up and she has no control over it. But she was worried to work on it because she didn't want to be complacent about the fact that her child had cancer or forget it or feel like she wasn't, you know, just felt like it was erasing it, right? Right. So the explanation for her then and then her experience was we're not erasing our history. We're not becoming to where we don't remember it. What we're doing is we're able to not be emotionally charged from it anymore. So we can say, yes, my son had cancer and it was awful, but he's healthy now and we're celebrating life together and not be re-traumatized each time it comes up. So, so really it also could, the way I'm seeing it is you, you decide you're not going to be a victim of whatever it is, whether it's a child, you know, you have a child with an illness or you have something traumatic in your, in your history and your upbringing or, or whatever you choose to not be a victim and be tied to that thing anymore. It doesn't need to define you. It can just be something that happened to you and you move on from that. Is that kind of accurate? That's exactly it. That's yeah. Exactly it. And and I do see, Trina, where the where the tie is, and I see this quite often, where people really live in that victim state. And I think that's one of the things that makes them sick, like you were saying, is is they just stay in that um that soup and that broth of this is who I am because these horrible things happen to me, instead of saying, you know what? I'm actually strong and I've overcome those things. And yeah, they still hurt or there's still some sting to them. Um, but I choose to move on from them and that doesn't define me. Um, but I think you're right. Sometimes we don't know if something is still causing a little PTSD or um, still emotionally charged. Right. And the thing with what you were saying is like being the victim of it and then in the soup of whatever that situation was and you can't let it go. The reason why we get so stuck in it, well, there's a few reasons. If it's a big T trauma, your body actually builds like what we call a trauma capsule around it to protect you from that experience. And that gets stored in your body. And so even though consciously you might be able to say, this isn't who I am. This doesn't define me. I don't want to be a victim to this anymore. That trauma capsule is still there. And until you work through that, you can't actually get past it. So I don't know if you've ever had a situation where like logically you were able to understand something, but emotionally it didn't feel that way. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would you like me to make you a list? <laughs> right, right. So that's the disconnect and that's what we're working with. I like to say what we're doing is we're becoming in line with our true authentic self. So we're able to get our conscious mind and our emotions on the same page and then to honor our true authentic self. So for that person who went through either a big T trauma or a little T trauma and it keeps replaying and they are convinced that they're the victim of this right? Emotionally, at least. 
there's usually a belief that was formed in whatever that trauma was. So a lot of times it's that I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable. And if you have an event that's big that confirms those emotions for you, there's no way you can get past it. So what we do is we tap through those negative emotions, we discover whatever that limiting belief is, we question the limiting belief, we find some holes in that belief, we find evidence that counter that belief, and then we recognize that that event doesn't get to define you. It's an event that happened to you, and instead you get to choose and then emotionally be in resolve of a belief that actually serves you, that I am lovable, I am worthy, I am good enough, and then proceed on life from there. And like you said, it no longer becomes something that defines you, it becomes something that is just a part of your history that maybe has shaped you. But oftentimes, even working with the most horrific traumas, we can find some good in how it's shaping you now and in the future. Yeah, and I think that most people in their lives um, have something, and we all, at at certain times, will take responsibility for that horrible thing. I mean, you just look at it, women victims of sexual crimes will say, well, I shouldn't have done this, or this was kind of my fault because, you know, whatever. So I think we all find some, you know, reasons why we are slightly to blame. And so I think that's exactly what you're saying. Um, How do people know when they need to get unstuck? So for everybody, it's different. And some people don't want to. And I think that this is such an interesting part of being human, right? If you're in a situation where you're truly sick of feeling the way that you feel, or sick of having those repetitive memories of an event that's unsettling or upsetting to you, or feel like you keep hitting these invisible walls in your life and you're done, you're done with that controlling you, then now's the time. (laughs) If you are comfortable in your discomfort, then maybe it's not your time. And I really, truly appreciate both both situations and um, and I love working with people who are ready to get down and dirty, do the hard work because in just a few short sessions their life is completely different. So I've never I, I what you said about people being comfortable in their um, discomfort discomfort yeah. I've never ran I don't know about that. So can you just tell me, like, that was interesting to me. Are there people that are really comfortable in their discomfort? (laughs) Well, you know what? They're comfortable enough in their discomfort where the idea of facing their darkness is too uncomfortable. Uh, Like, that's more uncomfortable than dealing with, than just continuing being in their discomfort. I get that. Okay. Could it be that they actually believe some of those negative things that were put on them? Like if they weren't good enough, they actually believe it. So they don't want to get the help because they want to be, like you said, it keeps them safe by staying in that box. Right. 
Right. And until they've like gotten powered, then they're like, okay, I need to deal with this because I don't longer want to be this person. But some people stay that way forever. And some people then realize, I think talking personally. <laughs> well, and Leslie, you know, I think, I think you're touching on it a little bit too. There's sometimes things that are so traumatic, they can't imagine reliving it with someone. And they know most of the time when you go through therapy, they ask you to talk about it. And just the fact of them having to talk about it, they literally cannot do. Right. Well, like the and lady with is, the cancer. I, so go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say the lady with the cancer, she, you know, is a, such a terrible thing. You don't want to forget that you went through that. And I think for her, like it was such a, a big thing. Like my son, he had a head injury, right? And I don't want to forget that. I re, I don't ever want to be in a place where I feel like he should go and just, you know, do jumps on his bike again and, and, and maybe risk getting hurt because I don't want to ever forget what that felt like. So I'm more relaxed where he might injure himself again. Right. But you know, there's a, it's a weird comfort being uncomfortable. It's, I mean, I might be just crazy, but no, no. So this is, so this is often what we, so it's, it's actually called psychological reversal so it's a situation where that um, trauma, like holding on to it, you've, you've developed a belief that it's actually going to keep you safe or in your situation, it's going to keep your son safe, right? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that, like there is a level that can be true. So you being more cautious with him could be really helpful, Right. But is that cautiousness stressful and full of anxiety and hurting you, then that's not really helpful anymore. And there's, and you know, when we work through it, it's not, you don't have amnesia of what happened like that. What have, I guess this is a good way. A lot of my clients explain to it this, this way to me, and this is how I felt with some of my stuff too, is that it goes from you being like when you recall a situation with your son, it goes from you being in it and you're right there in it and you can feel it in your body and you can feel that scared feeling and the anxiety and all that coming up again. So that's before we work on it. After we work on it, now you can watch it like you're watching a movie. So you're no longer in it. You're still seeing it happen, but you don't feel it inside your body. Right. Yeah. That makes sense to me. I I think, you know, Leslie, we had a similar situation with our son and at at some point I had to just say, he gets to make his own choices now and we'll have to deal with any repercussions that happen as much as that hurts my soul. So, you know, letting go of the children is one of those things. And in your case, it's a much bigger deal. And in a, in a lot of ways, he doesn't remember what happened. He doesn't, he doesn't remember the trauma. You are the one who absorbed all the trauma. And so then again, I'm keeping him from his life. Like maybe he won't have the same things that happened to him in the past. Like I feel like with, because I am so, I remember it in the thick and he doesn't, I feel like I may not let him do certain things that he should be able to do because I've lived through it. Right. Yeah. Because but I'm not saying, but what if it, we don't know what will happen if he gets another one. Right. So I'm just like, I try to keep him in this bubble, but 
that bubble may not actually exist. Like it, what I'm saying is like, he might not have the same reactions. So what am I keeping him from having a more complete life because of something that I dealt with? Yes. Right. And I think the bigger question too, is like, how are you holding on to that now? Well, I gained like, like 40 pounds. That probably, <laughs> yeah, that's part of it. Like I'm, I bet that's a lot of more reasons why I gained weight, but. So besides. Trina, how many time <laughs> sessions can we do? <laughs> Gosh, that's not even my big issue that I have to deal with. But that was one big one that was more recent that I had to do with him. So I yeah. understand not feeling it anymore. And uh, yeah, I mean, I totally and it get doesn't, what you're it's saying. Not I believe in everything. It doesn't take away your cautiousness. So I think that this is like really important too to recognize. It's like, it's not going to make you carefree about what he's doing. And you're like, go ride your bike without a helmet, right? It's not going to do that. It's going to allow you to actually have better perspective to make better choices on how we should be cautious, have more open and honest conversations with him that are not emotional. And it's probably going to serve you so much more than it would coming from a scared and anxious place every time he goes and does something that's physical. Yeah. 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 I think you tapped on something there, Les. <laughs> Gosh, and I thought I had that other issue, you know, with the ex-friends. <laughs> I could have you well, busy for a long time there. Yes. And here's the thing, Leslie and Melissa and everybody listening <laughs> is that um, what I say is that nobody's immune to this kind of work. So because we're alive and we're human is means that we're going to have emotional stuff that isn't right, that's not serving us, that's not in alignment with who we truly are, that's holding us back. Um, and so nobody is immune to this kind of work. Not everybody actually wants to jump in and do this kind of work, but nobody's immune to it. Everybody could use it. I, I totally agree with you. And, and speaking from years of therapy and knowing that I, I could use a therapist every single week, kind of like a massage. I feel like everyone deserves a massage every week and everyone deserves yeah. a therapist. Right, um, right. And one of the beautiful things about this technique and a huge part of my practice is I teach my clients how to use this on their own so that they don't feel dependent upon me or any other practitioner. So what I like to say is that in our sessions, we do the deep dives. So we do the work that's really hard to do by yourself without having outside perspective. But then I teach them, enable them, help them feel confident to use this technique on their own so that they can deal with the roller coaster of life as it's happening so that you don't have to have these big emotional swings or lots of fear and anxiety and stress. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Super helpful. I think everybody can do this. I think everybody needs to do something <laughs> like this, which it doesn't seem like, um, like the thought of going to a therapist and sitting on a couch and like telling them all my deep, dark issues doesn't, this doesn't seem as scary to me. Yeah. I mean, I might get to that, right? Like we might have to get into some of that stuff, but I well, think, you know, so this was a point I wanted to make earlier. Um, and this is so important, and this is another thing I love about this technique, is that say you have something that you don't want to share. Like I worked with a friend of mine, and she had a really big, deep, dark secret that she didn't, she didn't want to tell me yet. 
but she wanted to work through it because it was something that every day she woke up with and it was super negative. So I am able to guide you through working through something like that without you actually telling me the situation. So you never have to voice the events. All you have to tell me is how you're feeling as you're recalling those events in your mind. And then all, all I need to know is how it makes you feel. And that's all I'm working with ever. So if there's, you know, a lot of times with clients, if it is a big T trauma or something really big and um, there's resistance to it, we don't ever even talk about it. We just talk about how it makes you feel, the emotion that's going on. We, we um, I like to say we like tiptoe around the perimeter of whatever it is in order to calm the body, continue calming the body until it gets to a point where you're so calm that going there doesn't feel scary. Oh, interesting. So that is interesting because um, I've always said to myself and in my life to friends, or I know that I say this with my husband all the time, when you say it, you, you take away its power. So by telling people, Hey, this happened to me, you are actually giving it less power when you can talk about it, when you keep it a deep, dark secret and don't want people to know that's when you're actually feeding it. It's like a mushroom in the dark, you know, you're feeding the beast. Um, so interesting, interesting. But so, but think about it. It's not the event that's the deep, dark mushroom. It's what it's saying about you. How you feel about it. Yeah. Yes. That's the part that is festering and rotting inside of you. It's not the actual event. It's the story. You know, our mind needs a narrative. Always. We create narratives about everything. And it's always about us, right? That's how our ego works. And so if you go through something negative, it creates shame, right? Why is there shame? Because you've created a narrative that it means something about you that's negative. It says, I'm not lovable. I'm not worthy. I can't tell you every single person that I've ever worked with. And I think it's across the board has some issue of I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. There's something there with it's like part of the human condition. Yeah. And so what happens is we have all these events in our life that either confirm it or don't confirm it. But the way that our brain is hardwired is we only look for confirmation of what we believe. Right. So we only notice what confirms it. And so if we happen to go through something really big and traumatic, that just confirms those deepest, darkest secrets, right? That we have about ourselves, that we're not good enough. We're not lovable. We're not worthy. So it's not telling the event to somebody that's going to change that. It's really recognizing and working through the emotional aspect and the belief that is behind it, that narrative, working through the narrative. I don't know if you're familiar with Brene Brown, but yeah, she's phenomenal. And what she says is like, that's our shitty first draft is that narrative that we're telling ourselves about that, about the situation. So it's like, how can we alter our first draft to make it so that it's positive? Yeah. Wow. Well, now you're making me want to know what I need to work on (laughs) because I like working on things. I I actually do because I feel like if you get them out, you're just cleaner. It's kind of like spring cleaning, I guess. It is. It is. I, 
I often have clients who are like, you know, we say we've been working on, they come to me with, oh, I have this thing and we work through that. And then the next time they come in, they say, well, I don't even know what we're going to work on today. I'm like, no problems. We're just going to get started. And it always comes up. Whatever's supposed to come up, comes up and we work through it. Yeah. kind of like that. Let's explain one more thing, Trina. When I did your, um, I think I went to your website and you have a video right on there. Yes. And then I think if you sign up for your email address or with my email address, you get sent another email and and that email is another video. Yes. So in the first, um, on your, on their the page of your website, it, you know, you go through this video and I was like, Oh, okay. I, you know, you try it. And then it wasn't until I watched the second video that it says at the end, and we talked about this, um, at the end, like you should be, you should be more relaxed than you were going into it. Right. Right. But you, you did say it on, I think the second video was, um, if your levels are higher than to do it again. So explain to our listeners and to Melissa, because I felt that like, instead of being more relaxed, I actually felt more anxious after that first one. And why was that? Okay. So I love that you're asking this question because I think that this is something that if somebody just tries it once and then they feel more anxious, they're going to close the door. Right. Yeah. And all that's telling me is that you work really hard to keep your anxiety down and to suppress it. And then what you did in that video, because we didn't talk about anything in the video. I don't use words in my general videos. I just do deep breathing and using the tapping points. And it relaxed your body so that anxiety had the freedom to come up. And so that's why you felt more anxious. And that's a phenomenal time to recognize, wow, I have more anxiety than I thought I did, or I have more stress than I thought I did, or I have more sadness than I thought I did, whatever is coming up. And then to repeat the video and do it again, because all it's telling you is that it's ready. It's ready to come out. And is that because I'm not used to being relaxed or, you know, like, why would I have that response? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Did it surprise you that that was your response? Yes. And it especially did because you didn't mention that in the first video. And I was like, what the heck's going on here? Like, I actually mm-hmm. don't feel, but I didn't give up on you. Like I, I knew that you have something here and I, cause I, I knew a little bit about it before I met you. And then when I met Alice Moon and I was like, okay, I'm going to really figure this out. And so I didn't give up. I, even though I felt that way, I wanted to know why I felt that way. And then it, you kind of touched it again on the second video. And I was like, okay, so this isn't just me. It does happen to other people. But why is that happening exactly? And and um, again, I know you said to do it again, and I didn't. So I kind of left in that like <laughs> panic state. But, but um, F, you get an F. well part of it is like okay that's a little little uncomfortable you know and I only only have like three minutes for everything I do um right right because because I like to stay busy and so I know that's what we're talking about here yes I'm busy all the time yeah I don't relax like but there's a reason for that but I don't know what that is hit the nail on the head right there Leslie is that you have to stay busy because you if you don't you're gonna have to deal with what's going on inside yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God, I am and, messed up. 
<laughs> no, you're not. It's actually so, so common. I mean, this is what we all do. This is why busy has become like the hit word for everybody is because it's so much easier to be busy than to be still with ourselves. I mean, that's why meditation is so unapproachable for most people is because they actually have to sit still and listen to all these thoughts that come up in their head. And that sounds terrible, right? So, um, so it actually, all it says to me is that your body wants to get rid of this. Um, and so again, the reason why this works so well is because it's a somatic therapy. So we're using techniques that are on the body. Because what we know now is that all this stuff, all this negative emotion, that anxiety, that stress, the overwhelm, the sadness is stored in the body. So just talking about it in our conscious mind is not going to actually resolve it or release it. And so we need a somatic therapy that incorporates the body, that calms the body while we're talking about it in order to truly release it and let it go. And what you will find, Leslie, is that if you decide to do some work using this therapy is that it's not as overwhelming as you think, because we work, we work so well, keeping your body calm that while this stuff comes up, you're not flooded by it. Um, we're able to manage it. And there's ways for us to like, if we go in too quick, we can back off and calm, 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 and then slowly go back in when you're ready. And, um, and never is there, forcing it's totally in honor of what feels right to you the whole time so if you're not ready we don't go there yeah I think I'm ready I, <laughs> I think I think Trina you you can't take any vacation from now until <laughs> <laughs> well Trina while we're sitting here I just booked an appointment because I'm, oh, gonna, I'm awesome. gonna start this and get it going um, Tuesdays are good for me, so it's a little bit out, but at least I have it on my calendar, which is now on your calendar. And um, to book that appointment, I went to trinalee.com, and then um, I just followed the links to book the appointment. I actually like your site. It's really easy, and everything okay. is really nicely done. It's really Thank easy you. to manage. So. so, Trina, are you doing virtual appointments right now? Yes. So I'm only doing virtual appointments. I do video calls. So I use Zoom and I've always done since the beginning of my um, practice, I've always incorporated online sessions because they're just as effective. And since my client base has always been referral and word of mouth, I've had people all over the country and even in Canada and London and all over. Um so it's just as effective. You get to do it from the privacy of your own home. I just ask that you're in a space where you're not going to be interrupted. And, um, and then again, it's set up like monkey see, monkey do. So you don't have to memorize anything or worry about where the, where the spots are. I'm doing it with you and you just copy me. And it's a very casual conversation that we start with, with some deep breathing and tapping and following along. And sometimes I have you repeat after me once we know where we're going. And sometimes I, I just, we're just in a conversation. If you don't mind, I want to plug, I also um, have a series of meditations and the website is radiantmeditation.com. 
And um, I have a few of them free on Insight Timer, and I have phenomenal reviews, thousands of plays. Um, and what I do in those meditations is I hope that this is like that it bridges the gap for those people who feel like meditation isn't approachable. So I use EFT to first calm you before we sit in stillness. And the stillness is a short amount of time. Yeah. So our, our body is talking to us all the time. And when we're not in alignment with our true self and honoring our truth, our body's going to speak up and it's going to be gut issues or a tightness in our neck or chest heaviness in our chest or whatever that is, right? And I like to say it's a message from our body reminding us to be in our truth and it's time to to speak up and to figure out what that is. A lot of people with mysterious chronic pain, EFT is phenomenal for them because it's usually tied to emotion. Hey, Melissa, what kind of bras do you wear? Oh my gosh, I wear handful bras. Tell me why you love them so much. You talk about them all the time and I just want to understand what is so great about them. Well, I love them because they're comfortable. They are not constricting so I can still like breathe and move around. And I like to do yoga too. And I like to stretch and I do not like a bra that is just like sucking me in so that I'm so flat and can't breathe. I love the patterns. I love the different styles. Right now they have this really cute like teal color and they've done a couple patterns in it too. And they have this wavy one, which I can't even remember the name because they have absolutely adorable names for these things, but they have the adjustable bra, which is their classic. They have the closer bra, which is great for people like you that have a little more than a handful. It's got the two little hooks and then it zips up. And my favorite, um, pattern right now is the ripple effect is what it's called. And then I love the double down, which is a really cute new style that they have. And I love their leggings because I think they made them for me because they're so long and they have a cute camo legging that I wear all the time. I have those too. Brandy gave me a pair. Oh my gosh. I, I love have to say I have a, like a bunch of handful bras. I could not find them. And I found them in my daughter's room. She wears them all the time and they are so cute. She almost could wear them as swimming suits. In fact, I think she does. Like she'll sunbathe yep. in them because they are so cute. And I love when she wears like her tank tops, but you can see the bra strap kind of through it because if they're really cool crisscross and different designs, you can adjust them however you want. And uh, I just think they're very flattering. Yeah. And you got your first one. How How's your first one? I love it. No, I, I had them in the past. And then, you know, for me, I needed a little bit more. And then they came out with this new one with the extra zip in it. And it really makes a big difference. And I love that it, it actually gives you two, not just one. And that's always been a problem in the past. You just get this like one mono boob. I actually still have two when I wear this new design that you had given me. So thank you, Melissa. You're so welcome. Well, we do still have a handful code as I recall. We still do? I think so. If not, we'll get That's it up. That's like 20% off. Why aren't people buying these off the shelf? I don't know. I don't know. They should be. What is that code? Melissa, that, tell me. That code is Salon Sleuths. Gosh, you're putting me on the spot now, Leslie. I think it's just Salon Sleuths. If you yeah. go to the coupon code, it's just Salon Sleuths. Like, yeah. yeah. But, but you have to spell Sleuths right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm part of this podcast and I spelled it wrong when I made your first tank top. It did not, I was thought that was so stupid of me, but 
How do you spell it, Melissa? You spell it S-A-L-O-N-S-L-E-U-T-H-S. Go to handful.com, check them out. You'll be a fan for life. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.